The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts hates the idea of trading for a vet because he likes his vet. She gives him treats every time he comes in. That's Lenny. <laughs> I'm Mina Kimes. And I am joined by the one, the only, the lovely, the host of multiple podcasts, um, fantasy football podcast, first draft. It's called first draft, right? First draft. First draft. Uh, which is in full swing right now. That is Field Yates. Field, welcome back. Yeah, I, I first of all, I'm like so the point guard of that show, but like the point guard that scores zero points nah. per game. Who, who is that? Because I, I, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating off the jump here, Mina, but what I love about the first draft show is that I essentially go there and just get Todd and Mel in and out of conversations because they're so passionate about what they do with the draft that 99% of what actually is said during the show, like, that it's already been populated in their brain. It's just a matter of like a little bit of direction here. Well, so that might be. Uh, I love coming to the show. That too. might be the case of that show. But you have excellent draft takes, and we Thank have you. we talk. We literally, we're talking about the draft before we started taping. Um, we're not talking about the draft today. However, this is we're not. Yeah. I'm not yet. I, I think probably in a couple weeks I'll really start diving into the draft. Um, but we still have things to talk about with free agency signings, yeah. trades. Players are still out there. So I sent you a list of some of the bigger moves and, and also just some teams that I feel like I haven't really talked about, uh, this, uh, that have done some interesting things this offseason. Um, so I'm excited to dive into all of that with you. This being an ESPN product, however, we are professionally obligated to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, no, I, I actually really wanted to talk about this move because I, last week, I talked about how much I loved the Stephon Gilmore trade. I feel the same way about the Brandon Cooks trade and yeah. feel treetops before we actually get into the player and the value and whatever. Both of these trades are really fascinating to me in conjunction because both of them are areas of very specific need, players that really fill the exact holes on the roster, but they're also veterans who are basically on one-year deals. I mean, the, the Cooks one, it could last a little longer. But to me, it almost signifies something about the Dallas Cowboys, which is they, they, they very much view themselves as a playoff contender and saw an opportunity to get better next year. So the Cowboys are always fun to talk about because nobody has middle-of-the-road takes on the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> right? They're either the most overrated franchise in the NFL or you're on my side of the ledger, which is that they're really close. I know that there are a lot of ways to spin success, but over the past two seasons, only the Chiefs have more wins than the Cowboys. Like, this is not some woebegone franchise. <laughs> this is a team that, in a sport in which we don't play seven-game series in the playoffs, has choked on big stages. And when your owner is Jerry Jones, and you have the history of the Dallas Cowboys, and you have a quarterback who can be divisive because some weeks he's great, and then he leads the NFL or is tied for the lead in interceptions— that's what happens. And as you know, at our network, we talk about it all the time. The Cowboys are really close. They were really close last year. They just didn't perform when they needed to in a big moment. But let's get to a couple of things that you already mentioned. On principle, you and I, we talked about this before. We are fans for veteran player trades during the offseason, specifically the type that the Cowboys have executed twice in a week. The draft capital is extremely modest, much less than the fans would have guessed Stephon Gilmore would be worth yeah. in a trade. 
But not only is it a modest trade parameters that you are engaging in the other team with, but also the compensation is like a fixed cost. You know exactly what you are owing these players for however long they're under contract for. And this is getting deep into the weeds, but when you are acquiring a player in a trade from a different team, you do not take on the signing bonus proration of that player's contract from whoever signed him to that contract before. So while the Colts on their cap this year still have a portion of Stephon Gilmore's signing bonus that they signed or they gave him last year, the Cowboys only inherited the actual base salary plus the incentives plus the roster bonuses, which makes it a much more modest cost. It's like a $10 million proposition basically for Stephon Gilmore. And in the case of Brandon Cooks, I'm sure you probably just saw this, but in case people yeah. listening or watching didn't see this, not only did they acquire Brandon Cooks after the Texans paid $6 million of his salary for this year, but the Cowboys subsequently agreed to another restructured contract with Brandon Cooks that brings a total value over the next two years to $20 million. That's $10 million for the Cowboys for Brandon Cooks this year and next, and $10 million for the Cowboys for Stephon Gilmore. That's better than any free agent deal they could have gone out and signed on the open market when competition dramatically inflates price points. Yeah, it, it, the value is great. I mean, you alluded to the Texans eating some of his contract. We should also note the Cowboys tried to trade for Brandon Cooks midseason, offered more. Yeah. I think it was like a third or something, Phil, you might remember. Yeah, much more, yeah. Um, and maybe you can explain why Brandon Cooks has been traded as much as he has, because I actually think it's just like one of those things that perfect literally wrong place, wrong time for this dude. Yep. So many points. It, yep. Cause the reason why it's a mystery, you know, you often with there's places like that, you do hear like, Oh, maybe he's, there's an injury issue. Maybe he's yeah. not well liked. None of that applies to Brandon Cooks. Everybody likes Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has been a good player, yep. you know, for a very, very long time. It literally is just teams and situation and randomness with him. Uh, but you have to go break it down one by one and we can yeah. do, we could spend 10 minutes, but I'm here to tell yeah. you there's not like nothing's wrong with Brandon. Cooks. Yeah, he's, he's a fine. great, he's a very, very solid <laughs> player who's deserving of that well, number two spot in Dallas. Yeah. So, and then that's, that, that's the, so I, I love the value of these trades. I love their approach. I love the timeline. I love how it doesn't constrict them in the future at all, but yep. most importantly field, I love the fit of the player with this team because um, I argued a lot last year that this Dallas Cowboys offense did not have enough separation. This was actually, mm -hmm. to me, a big part of the reason why Dak Prescott threw so many interceptions. He had the highest, I talked about this endlessly, highest tight window throw rate in the NFL. Now, some of that is because Dallas, Dak Prescott loves throwing tight window throws yeah. up the seams, but some of it is because his wide receivers do not separate that much um and uh we had a stat on nfl live uh that our researcher henry gave me that brandon cooks had you know, he's not what he was four years ago but he had as many 30 yard catches last year in like 13 games as the entire cowboys roster what yeah. he brings to this offense is speed separation you move cd gets to play in the slot full time which is the best yeah. spot for him yeah. Um, it creates space for him. Gallops, Michael Gallup slides back to that number three role, which is where he thrived with Amari Cooper. And suddenly, in the grand words of Radiohead, everything is in its right place. So I just yeah. from a football standpoint, I think it's exactly what they needed for this offense. It, and I absolutely love it. 
If you saw Brandon Cooks standing next to CeeDee Lamb, by conventional wisdom, you would think that Cooks is the slot and CeeDee Lamb is the perimeter receiver, when the reality is that Cooks is a small guy who plays better on the perimeter, and Lamb is a bigger guy, at least relative to Cooks, who plays at his best in the slot when... And we can dive into this a million different ways, but just look at what they do in Los Angeles with Cooper Cup and to a degree Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill during yes. his Kansas City days. There's just so much more. Things are so different do. now with slot. Like yes, the, the slot, slot teams view it so differently now. Uh, You're not going to see if whoever you believe the best cornerback is in the NFL right now, whoever you believe that is, you are very unlikely to see that player play 100% of his snaps in the slot. That's just not how teams are going to deploy these top quarterbacks because there's just, I'll say the simple version is that they're playing in traffic in the slot and they're not playing in traffic on the perimeter. And it's a lot easier for a guy, for anybody, any human, like, would you rather walk across the street with no traffic or lots of traffic? (laughs) The answer obviously is with no traffic. So I think it's a smart move by the Cowboys that allows them to get their best player on offense, or at least their best receiver on offense into the spot where he can most consistently stress the defense so you did you alluded to the restructuring cowboys have a little money right now Mm -hmm. um i i i I do think this takes them out of the obj sweepstakes that would be i mean you never know with you know jerry that would be pretty surprising to me um but they have some money to play with and there are still needs on this roster um you know i would say i mean so i actually i should mention something that you know they brought like they traded for gilmer they traded for um, Cooks, of course, yeah. uh, but they also brought back guys, Donovan Wilson, safety, Leighton Vanderesh, linebacker, um, Tyron Smith. I think those are the big names that come to mind. Um, yeah, and they most recently, like if these things move the needle for you at all, uh, Ronald Jones was signed to, I think, oh, a one-year deal. And then is- Dante Fowler Jr., uh, was retained on a one-year deal as well. Fowler yeah. Jr., obviously very familiar yeah. uh, with Dan Quinn. They've had a relationship dating back to their Florida days um, and played pretty well for them last year. He gives them some juice off the edge, which you need, um, because as great as Micah Parsons is as a rusher, yeah, he's not always going to rush. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty deep roster right now, honestly. Yeah. I, I think going into the draft... I'll, I probably will do team needs next week and I'll talk about every team, but just kind of thinking about these additions and how things fit together. You and I were talking a little bit before about how uh, our colleague Dan Orlowski on NFL Live talked about Bijan Robinson. He talked about trading out for Bijan Robinson. I would not do that. 26, it gets interesting, um, yeah. especially with Pollard being on a one-year deal and Ronald Jones on a one-year deal as, as well. But I will say this is a Cowboys team that can always get better in the trenches. And if I was... I would say that's where I would look. Defensive tackle is an seems like never ending issue with them. Stuff stopping the run on the inside. The offensive line, you know, they brought back Tyron Smith, but he's obviously getting up in the years. Um, so that's another thing. And then another position I would watch out for tight end. Wouldn't yeah. I mean they need a tight end. Dalton Schultz is gone. A lot of great tight ends in this draft. Um, so that's another thing that I would look for. Yeah, they got like reasonable production when Schultz was gone. And they found two players, an undrafted and then a drafted tight end. Peyton Hendershot, probably the name that registered more for the casual fan for the Cowboys. Uh, like they got some production there at yeah. the tight end spot. But I think one of the realities for these rosters that have top heavy contracts, and the Cowboys are one of them because Dak makes a lot of money and it won't be long before CeeDee Lamb's making a ton of money. Micah Parsons is making like incredible, I mean, yeah. earth-shattering money, right? <laughs> I, I, whatever the number you think it is, it's probably more than yeah. that. 
Uh, but one, and same with Trevon Diggs. It's like one of the realities is when you have these kind of rosters. The 49ers are a good example of this. The Rams during their, I guess, their heyday were a good example of this. But you got to pay down some spots. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs are a good example. Like the, the lifeline of these teams will always be, the lifeblood will be, can they draft and fill holes? Can they plug gaps there? But um, I think the offensive line is the most interesting one that you mentioned there, Mina, for this reason. Talked about Tyron Smith. He came back on a restructured contract. First time. He had like a he signed like a 10-year extension yeah. way back in the day. It's one of and the finally, best yeah. bargains, but then he's been oh, hurt, yeah. so it's kind of complicated. Unbelievable yeah. bargain over yeah. the life of that contract. But now he's coming back on a dramatically reduced contract. That suggests that even though he's back for this year, you know, his days are probably I don't think we expect five more years of Tyron Smith playing at a high level. Uh Terrence Steele, right tackle. Restricted free agent. He got the tender. So as of right now, under contract for just one more season. And I know that they did obviously draft Tyler Smith last year. He's going to be a long-term fixture at one of these spots. But can never have enough depth there at offensive line. They lost Connor McGovern. One of the two Connor McGoverns. Yeah. Uh, Both free, free agents at the, the same Bills. time, right? Very, yeah. very irritating. Very irritating. <laughs> and then Zach Martin, who's incredible. Like he may actually defy age forever. But he is getting, you know, he's a 2013, 2014 draft pick. So... <laughs> Excuse me. That's like ten years in to his to his to his career. Like at some point, these players are going to not be exactly what they have been for the vast majority of their career. I think um, it's a good point. The Cowboys, like if you look at their last four years, I was kind of pulling up the draft history. They have had a lot of hits. Tyler Smith appears to be a yeah. hit. I would say Deron Bland, uh, slot cornerback, took last that they drafted last year in the fifth round. Um, really yeah. contributed for them down the stretch. The year before, you have Micah Parsons. Uh, the mix of players, you're a little bit less. Uh, some defensive tackles, uh, some questions, and then you have Lamb and Diggs in that uh, that next draft, along with Biotish, who's their center. Uh, so that there's, and then before that was uh, McGovern and, and, and Pollard and Donovan Wilson. So point is, they have drafted players who who become core pieces of this team, but that has to continue to your point because of uh, the stars and because those players will be now that they gotta pay them. So Cowboys, yeah. well done. We liked your Happy. off season. Good job, A plus. Shining stars so far. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so we're talking a little bit about the running backs. It's been an interesting offseason for the running backs because it feels like kind of if you've ever seen that that video where everyone's kind of like switching marbles or I don't know on a table I, I don't know whatever but the point is so many of them switch places fantasy is going to be so confusing next year because it wait. feels like so many rookie running backs coming off their deals switch teams there is one that I wanted to talk to you about in particular uh, it was a signing that happened I think yesterday the Bills adding Damian Harris. Uh, I think this is really interesting because Devin Singletary uh, left and signed with the Texans, who we're going to talk about, by the way, after the break, Texans fans. Uh, his year, it was like a one-year pretty cheap deal, like under $4 million. H- have the Harris numbers come out yet? But it's also nope. a one-year deal, right? Yeah. And when the numbers haven't come out yet, Mina, it means it's probably like average or below what you'd expect it to be. That's just how contracts work. So, like, yeah, pro- I, probably I, similar, right? Um, yeah. Maybe even less. Which is interesting because yeah. essentially that's kind of why I find this so interesting because the Bills, it's, I think people think of them as having like this terrible rushing attack because we look for weaknesses with the Bills and that is just a thing to point to. The reality is it hasn't been that bad. Last year, they finished second in passing DVOA, but 11th in rushing. Um, yeah. 
And, and Devin Singletary, you know, there are I was I was comparing Harris and him. There's numbers where Harris looks better. There's numbers where Singletary looks better. But context matters, obviously, so much for running backs. Um, but I think there's been a sentiment for a long time that the Bills want to run the ball better and should be able to run the ball better because they should be able to, you know, getting light boxes. And they obviously, with Singletary leaving, you know, they still had Naeem Hines and James Cook, but those are more like scat back types. They needed that every down bell cow back. So my question for you is, do you think this was smart? Do you think Damian Harris brings something to the table that maybe Singletary didn't? And why do you think that they chose him in particular? I'm no Doug Kazarian, but I would, if there was a, a place that I could, I could find that has like significant odds that, you know, like if Damian Harris is probably like, I don't know, plus 3,500 to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns next year. Yeah. I'd mess around with it. Oh yeah. Right. Because yeah. Uh, two years, yeah, two years ago, he had 15 rushing touchdowns. I think he was tied for the NFL lead in, in, in rushing touchdowns in 2021. Um, you've talked about all these backs that Buffalo has had. The common thread amongst them is that they are not hammerheads, which is a, kind of exactly what Damian Harris is. His skill set's fairly narrow, right? Like not going to do much in the passing game. Haven't seen a, you know, a bunch of different different styles of running from Damian Harris. But, you know, the Patriots uh, last year did very few things very well. But in prior years when they were doing things well, one of the things they've always done a good job of is they just mash in the running yeah. game, right? Whether it's David Andrews, Shaq Mason, guys that have either been there or still there, whoever it is, Trent Brown, Culture range, like those guys get they put hands on bodies and they can move some people around. And Damian Harris is see hole, hit hole. That's the kind of runner he is. It has a lot of value for Buffalo because they're going to be in the red zone a lot because they have a very good offense. They need somebody that can get some, just some like yards that go beyond what you are able to block for, right? That's the measure of a good running back is not what he gets based off of how the offensive line blocks, but what he gets beyond that. Third thing I'll mention I know that Josh Allen is a cyborg. At some point, though, you have to be mindful of the hits he is taking. That's just the reality of any quarterback, whether it's the very best ever to run, in my opinion, in Lamar, or whether it's a guy in Josh Allen who is awesome at running. Um, but you have to protect him. Like, these guys are not, like, it just takes one hit to change the course of your season. Uh, and your window is, it's not closing anytime soon. But you play in the AFC. Yeah. Like, you, you can't afford to throw these years away. And, and I mean, Cam Newton is right there is the cautionary tale when it comes to using a quarterback the way the Bills have at times used Josh Allen. I actually think it probably needs to get brought up more. You know, I always joke that the Bills breaking case of emergency play is just quarterback draw. But it really yeah. is, Field. And in towards the end, and because of... Josh's style is similar to Cam's. It's not like Lamar where he's evasive and he's hard to bring down. Like he seeks out contact and he's huge. But at a certain point, when you play that position and you're that good at it, it is not a good idea um, to have your quarterback take that much contact. And I think that to go back to the beginning, why are we always so obsessed with the Bills run game or lack thereof? That is a big part of it because Bills fans don't want their quarterback to be the leading ball carrier at the end of games. They want a running back that they can count on. By the way, you talked about getting yards beyond what the offensive line is blocking for. So De uh, Damian Harris, last year, the previous year was a better year, obviously, but last year he still finished 12th in the NFL and the percentage of runs where Next Gen Stats has this, yeah, he gained over the expected yardage. And oh, he finished 7th yeah. in DVOA, which accounts for opponent and situation. So advanced numbers do like his production a lot, um, which would seem to bode well for Buffalo. Uh, three last things. One, um, 
it's always easy for us to tell these quarterbacks, like, either don't run or be smarter Slide. as a runner. Okay. Josh Allen last year had, like, a high, like, like a totally jacked up elbow. And, like, yeah. a, a quarter later went and made, like, a sprawling tackle attempt that looked like he was going to decapitate <laughs> himself, right? Like, so upsetting. It sounds good to tell these guys to chill out. It's a lot easier for them to actually chill out. Two, Damian Harris. Um, I don't know that this is always a good way to go about things, but NFL teams love players that have crushed them in the past. Damian Harris has played. He's had a couple of vulnerable moments too. But Damian Harris in that game two years ago, Monday Night Football, had the long run against the Bills. Like He's had some good moments against Buffalo. And three, he's got a ton to prove, Mina, because he entered a contract year last year and had a substandard year and also was hurt. He understands. He's yeah. smart enough to know that like you get one one chance to get a big contract as a running back in 90% of the cases. If he goes to Buffalo and has 900 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns, this could be like a James Conner situation in Arizona where he parlays one really good year into a very strong contract. If he doesn't, then we will be discussing journeyman Damian Harris for a while. And who would have thought that two years ago when he had – I, I keep saying 15. If it was actually 16, my apologies. <laughs> it was a lot. 15 rushing I touchdowns remember. in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, he's going to vulture so many this year. It's going to be infuriating for Josh people. Allen's stuck down in fantasy. <laughs> uh, which, before we move on to the next topic, though, just from a fantasy perspective, so I play Dynasty. Yeah. Um, one of the many moves that delighted me was my guy, Miles Sanders. Uh, going to Carolina, which I think is a great destination for a running back. We saw that the backs there were able to continue their production after McCaffrey was traded, in part because I think this is an ascendant offensive line. Um, Of all the moves, like which do you think the dynasty owners are the happiest about? Of all these running backs Hmm. switching homes? Uh, Well, I'll give you two. And they kind of, they tie into each other. One would be Rashad Penny going to Philly. Uh, your Rashad Benny, yeah. your former Seahawk Rashad Benny, because Philly's offense is tailor-made for somebody to go out there and just... Yes. Like, oh, don't just, get me wrong. I was sad that Miles Sanders was leaving Philly, but I was happy yeah, that he ended up yeah. in Carolina. Could have been worse. But there's so much opportunity there, an offensive yeah. line that should bring back four out of five yeah. starters. Isaac Sayamalu went to uh, Pittsburgh in free agency. Uh, that would be one that comes to mind, and it ties into also Ken Walker III, because Seattle up to this point has not added anybody. They've lost two running backs in free agency. Travis yeah. Homer also went to uh, Chicago in a multi-year deal. So the stars are aligning for Ken Walker to continue what started once Rashad Penny got hurt last year, which is a chance to be, I hate to put a certain window on these running backs because, you know, five years is an eternity as a running back. But Ken Walker III has immediately become one of the most valuable dynasty running backs uh, at the position because there are just so few guys that have his blend of a skill plus age plus opportunity and not that i think we expected rashad penny to return to seattle but the fact that he didn't return coupled with the fact that unless i've missed something in the last 20 minutes they haven't signed they have not yet. signed anybody yeah. at the running back spot so i took my phone on that no one. Uh, so you're good you're good if you're, I got if you. you're ken walker the third <laughs> yeah you're, you probably already know about these signings no um, yeah they has got one. me increasingly worried that they're gonna drop one by the way but that's neither yeah. here nor there um hey well this is the, this is actually <laughs> a good segue um because i think another uh player who fantasy owners are probably excited about is david montgomery dynasty owners because yeah. landing in detroit which we know is a great place to run the football uh and i say this as a segue because i want to talk to you about the lions who i have not who i have somehow resisted talking yeah. about you know even though i love talking about the lions um i'm basically like a lions fan if not yeah. they're probably my second nfl team now this goes back 
before even the end of last season, which was incredible. But uh, so they add David Montgomery, you know, and they bring back some guys. And I don't. I want to talk about the defense because this team clearly went into this offseason saying we have to fix our past defense. It started when they were in the mix for Jalen Ramsey. Don't know what they offered, but we do. It's been reported that they were in the mix. So once we heard that, you know, oh, that this is a, they are committed to addressing this. Mm-hmm. So uh, by the end of it, they had signed Cam Sutton out of Pittsburgh yeah. to a three-year deal. Emmanuel Mosley, who was a cornerback with the San Francisco 49ers, who who was good when he was healthy, he was hurt last year. I think love that one because of that got him on a one-year six million dollar prove it deal. Yep. And then. And a signing that shocked a lot of people, and I want to talk to you about the shock element later, but first I just kind of want to focus on the football side of it. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who many viewed as one of the best defensive backs available in free agency, uh, plays in the slot, played safety for Philadelphia after being sent there. One year, $8 million. So let's just start with this remade Lions pass defense. How do you view all of these players meshing together? Do you like the signings? How do you, do you think this is going to be a vastly improved uh, Lions secondary? So one of the things that I feel like is always tough for us that don't know what the call was or things that are taking place on the field is we often like assign the wrong blame when we're watching pass defense. Yeah, like, I'm always oh, afraid to blame someone in pass yeah, defense yeah, for you know, this exact this, reason. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, like so-and-so blew, blew coverage and it's like, well, you know, he actually didn't. Like the safety just decided to yeah. run right as opposed to left or whatever, right? That's dumbing it down a little bit. But I, I recall last year when the Lions early in their season were talking about being we're, – we're in a rut and Dan Campbell talking about how just like sometimes on defense, like we just got to like execute what we're doing better. We got to like communicate better. We got to get guys – on the same page, like rowing the same direction right now. Um, and they haven't, unless again, I've missed something different. Like, uh, like there's not like a, uh, like a free safety who they have uh, added so far in free agency. CJ Gardner Johnson is kind of a hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. Like has slot presence, uh, certainly can, can hit you in the running game Has some on ball production as a safety as well, but they haven't, they didn't, it wasn't like a Jesse Bates. So like the minute you sign Jesse Bates, you expect him to become the quarterback of your defense. Yeah. But, there should be so much better in just having guys on the same page right now. If uh, Most people who are football nerds already know a lot about Emmanuel Mosley. But if you don't, I'm telling you, so fun to go back and watch this player before he got hurt last year and even the years prior to that in San Francisco. I don't know what his exact height and weight is. He thinks he's Patrick Willis in the running game. He like just goes up there and it's like a left tackle and he's like, yes, I'll meet you. It's a wide receiver. It's like, don't even bother trying to block me. Fearless as all get out as a run defender and very, very good in the passing game as well. Cam Sutton, one of the ascendant players over the past two seasons for Pittsburgh. I think they're going to play a different style of defense in Detroit than Pittsburgh did um, in some ways, but like just rock solid. And that, that price point, Mina, like around $11 million max per year, like that's reflective of a guy who has a lot of upside, but you're not paying, like, you know, the, the top cornerbacks are getting 18, 20, 21 million dollars in free agency. Like, not as much risk on the team side as well. And the scary part about Detroit, if you're a, if you're a fan of a different team in that division, is that the card that they still have left to play to make this secondary that much better might be the most valuable cards. And that's the draft. They have two picks in the top so 18. crazy, yeah. yeah. Six and uh, number 18 overall. And a lot long ways to go between now and the draft. There's still 37 well, days, if my math is correct. 
But the the I love I the mean, top three quarterbacks. This gives the them top three quarterbacks. I love them. So much optionality there, right? Because yeah, totally. we like a lot of these cornerbacks. We like Devin Witherspoon. We like Christian Gonzalez. You know, we, we, I've been talking about yeah. them in like, but like, would you take them at six? I don't know. I don't know. We, that's a whole separate conversation. But now they don't have to. And I yeah, and I think to, yeah. um, they can. They might. They they might trade down a little bit and take one. Who knows? But this is still a team that needs help up front. The front seven, I I think, is still not quite there. Um, so that's yeah. an, they might address that instead. You know what I mean? Like, but the point is, by signing all of these like incredibly capable veterans, they they just have options now with those very lucrative draft picks. Um, I think just like the GM Brad Holmes, who last year I talked about how much he killed it. Um, I, I think he's just put his team in a great position headed into the draft with these very low cost signings. And yeah. as far as the actual players and their fit on this team, um, you know, the, the defense, it, it's not exactly like with, with Matt Patricia, uh, where he was basically just like throwing them out to the wolves, but they do play a lot of man coverage, second most in the NFL yeah. last year. They do use a ton of nickel, fourth most in the league last season. They needed bodies. <laughs> um, yeah. And Aaron Glenn, who of course knows CJ Gardner-Johnson from his days with the Saints, where I think Detroit and New Orleans play either, well, I know New Orleans plays the most uh, cover two man. I think Detroit is like right up there as well. He knows how he fits in to this defense. Yeah. Uh, and he knows that if Tracy Walker is still hurt coming off the injury that CJ can play in the slot. Uh, it just feels like very calculated. It feel it doesn't feel like a team just taking wild swings at players. It feels like a team that went into this offseason with a very clear weakness and a very good plan to address that that doesn't come with a lot of financial risk. So, yeah, I, I think I'm all in on the Lions right now. How often can a team be calculated while also being opportunistic? Because I don't think they went into the offseason, or at least after two or three days, thought like, all right, we're getting T.J. Gardner-Johnson. Because he was just sitting there for the taking. And I think that what ended up happening, and there's been reporting on both sides of this, um, is that like the market was just not there. What's like I I think we, we both probably like uh, Garner Johnson as a player a lot. I think probably public perception got a little bit out of whack about how... If you lead the league in interceptions, ha- that's what happens. It's like, Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, I hate to be this guy, but like, I went back and watched all of his picks from last year. Picks are picks, picks right? Are picks. But it's like, I mean, not all picks are created equally yeah. though, right? Like, so, and so anyways, my point is that like, the idea that he was going to become a $15 million per year safety was much more fiction than, than fact, I think, right now. But when the price drops... To a maximum value of eight million dollars, like you can't sprint fast enough to the phone to call the agent and say, "Like this is done, right?" Um, so it was a very interesting ability, a very, I would say, tactical week for the Lions to go from having a clear plan early in free agency, being able to react to how the market played out later in free agency, while also continuing to enhance what was your weakest area in prior years. Tracy Walker. Certainly very, very good player, but they had a lot of young guys in that secondary as well last year that just like having extra veterans around goes so far in this process. Yeah, to that point, I'll be very curious to see what these signings mean for Jerry Jacobs, Jeff Okuda. Okuda, you know, was talked about him a lot. Dominique loved him as a draft pick, then had the injuries, and then, you know, Matt Patricia. um, And I don't think we... No, exactly. I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he fits into the defense with, um, 
these additions. I don't think we really know. I think maybe they don't know. Honestly, this might be a thing that plays out over the course of the summer, but um, they have a lot of options. And that's what's so great about this. I do want to talk to you, though, about the news break. You look concerned. No, I'm just looking at my my, I, my group chat. I'm like, what what, is people, what are people oh. sending me right now? Okay, I was like, oh, God, did something happen? Was Aaron Donald's rated? Um, no, you're not. You're good. I did want to talk to you, though. This feels like a great place to talk about kind of the the market generally before we take a break and get back to some teams because oh, um, yeah, yeah Bill, Bill Barnwell and I kind of got into this on his podcast because yeah. we were looking at deals. So Bill Barnwell, who's, you know, the wonderful Bill, Bill Barnwell, grades deals usually. He, yeah. I don't think he did this last year, but we were, we were Not talking. Not this year, no. Yeah, but he gets a lot of guff for being a very harsh grader. And no, him and not. I were laughing because we were like, not a lot of bad grades to be given out because nah. most of the deals handed out this off season were incredibly reasonable, and many <laughs> came in lower yeah. than people yeah. expect. We're going to talk about a couple of them actually in the next uh, next half of this podcast. So I guess you you I, I'm really glad to have you on to ask you about this because you're someone who actually talks a lot to teams and agents and has a good sense of like why is the, have you heard any like co like prevailing explanation for this here's a reality wasn't great a free it was not a great free agency class the best player available in free agency was javon hargrave yeah. from the eagles who signed a big deal at the time the eagles who did get a big yeah. deal right but just like i remember looking at free agency boards and thinking about the wide receiver class because there was so much talk during the early portion of the offseason every conversation i had at the combine was how are these wide receivers going to shake out and it'd be like you know a lot of people would say, I think Jacoby Myers is the best or Juju Smith-Schuster is the best available wide receiver. And I'm not including OBJ in this conversation because of the injury. And then I'd be like, okay, like both like, you know, solid players. And I'd be like, wait, I'd go to like people's top 100 rankings. It'd be like Jacoby Myers is the sixth best free agent. And I'd be like, wait, a guy who's never had 900 yards or whatever, like 1,000 yards in a season is the sixth best free agent available? How is that possible? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's one byproduct of it. Two is that I think that there were a couple players available at spots, and we're, I don't want to spoil this all because we'll talk about it more later on in the show, but just like positions in the past that have not fared well in free agency. And when I say not mm -hmm. fared well, I mean that the deals that have been signed in free agency have aged so poorly that there is scar tissue around the NFL and more sensibility about signing players at those spots. I think those things have contributed to why free agency this year felt so responsible. I don't want to put you on the spot, Mina, but is there a single – I have like two total, really kind of one. But is there a contract that you saw that you were like, whoa, um, really? Wait, who was – Bill and I were, uh, it was a tight end. I think we have the same one. Josh Oliver. Josh Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> we yes, were like, it's the only one. We were like, what? It's the only one. Okay. Yeah, it's the only like one. It really is the only one. things that this team did, so I don't want to. Three years, 21 million we were bucks. Just, that was surprising yeah. just because of his production. He's a, he's a blocking tight end and no yeah. one cares about those, right? He's a very, very good blocker. But this is a guy who was like a castaway from the Jaguars, right? Like, I think he, I think he was traded for like a seventh round pick to Baltimore, right? Um, a guy who came out of college, like major athlete, and then all of a sudden it's like he's a blocking tight end. Um, I was just, some of the running just, back contracts came in a little higher than what I would personally pay for a veteran yeah. running back, especially given how yeah. many were available in the draft. Nothing crazy, though. Nothing like, nah, you know. No. There was really only – that was the only – and I, by the way, 
I don't want to make this like, you know, dog on Josh Oliver hour because he deserved this contract. And by the way, I always love players getting paid, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just saying like when you look at the contracts that have been signed yeah. over the past, whatever it is, eight days since we started free agency, his is the one that like if you if – if I had to project what they were going to make prior to free agency, I would have been like, oh, good for him. He got the bag. Like his mm-hmm. agent, you deserve – if standard rate is three, like you get four percent of that contract because it was a really good job. Daniel Jones count. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one's a whole different kettle of fish. That's a whole podcast worth of conversation. Yeah, yeah. that's a big contract. <laughs> but they're but they're really like. But, I was yeah. impressed by the responsibility of teams this year. Yeah, and I think the other reality, Mina, is that um, I was looking back through. I was just I was just kind of curious what the news cycle was hot on around this time of the year. Last year, because I felt like it's been a quiet three days so far. Yeah. Right? Like, what happened to everything? Like, last year at this time, it was, I'm pretty sure it was like Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams trades. Deshaun Watson got traded late in the week during the start of free agency. I'm like, that stuff, like, there's nothing that's on our radar right now. And this could change with one Adam Schefter tweet that is going to like change the four, like, the, the, the actual, like, like, that's going to change the landscape of the NFL. There's a guy, right? Like, I do want to ask you about, but I'm going to wait till the end to ask okay. you about him. Okay. Who? Good. Yeah. I don't. Th- I mean, a very, very good player who is okay. rumored to be traded soon. So. Okay. Um, I can't wait already. But yeah, I yeah, yeah, I think I think your explanation is really good. Like it, 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 the combination of the actual players. I remember when Greg Rosenthal kind of put out his list. He has he does a great list of the top. He's free agents, so good. Love Greg. And yep. I was looking at, I was like. Eh, I mean, Hargrave was the one that immediately leapt off the page, but wide receivers, tight end, Mina, the tight end and safety I position, could, as we were talking about, clearly has just been devalued, except for Josh Allen. I could make, totally, yeah, totally. Um, I can make a case, truly, beyond Javon Hargrave, there was pretty much every player on Greg or Matt Bowen's list that I could say, like, some of it depends. Orlando Brown got $16 million per year, Mina. All right. And I, I don't want to. I don't talk about it later. That's just a good. Like, that's a good moment to hit pause because we're going to actually talk about Orlando Brown and the yes. team that acquired him right after this break. Your very first bet with Caesars Sportsbook. It's on Caesars. Just sign up with promo code Omaha Full, then place your first bet. If you win, great. You keep your winnings. But if your first bet loses, you'll receive your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem. Arizona, call one 800 Next step, Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOPPED. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Juarez, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Juarez, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-467-369. Offer not available in Massachusetts, Maryland, and Ohio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay. So, Bengals. Let's do it. Pretty quiet in free agency. You bring back Jermaine Pratt on a super reasonable deal. Good player. Um, They signed Cody Ford. He's a guard. Not a lot. Um, Later on, they get Nick Scott, which we can talk about that in a second when we talk about the defense and some of the losses there. Yep. Quiet. Then, bam. I go out, and this show, I was shocked. Nobody thought, nobody looked at the Bengals and thought left tackle is where this mm-hmm. team is going to go. Yeah. Um, they signed Orlando Brown. So, so you, you talked about the money. I think it's worth putting in context. The Chiefs, his old Orlando Brown's old team, signed Juwan Taylor to $80 million over four years. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, former right tackle of yeah. San Francisco 49ers, goes to Denver. And gets uh, nearly ninety million yeah. over five years. Five, yeah, yeah, <laughs> field. Um, and then Orlando Brown, who I think the vast majority of people would put in above those players, at least the feeling. You know, he plays left tackle. He's played left tackle. He's played it well. You know, yeah. comes in at four years and sixty-four million dollars. Which, before we get to the player, the fit, the team. Yeah. Seems like quite a bargain for Cincinnati. It does. I want to start with one. I want to preface whatever we talk about right now with one thing, which is that when we say things about a player that are perceived as potentially like negative, um, it's not like this is not personal. It's just like using the context of other things that have taken place around the league. How does this stack up? And the reality is that if I'm evaluating the most team-friendly contracts signed over the past eight days at a premium position to land a player for an average of $16 million per year, which includes a total cash payment in years two and three of $15 million, $15 million in a two-year span of cash in his mm-hmm. pocket, it's the team-friendliest deal by far in the entire exercise, Mina. And... Um, it's, it's even Orlando Brown, like his market was less robust than I think some would have guessed because you hear four straight pro bowls at left tackle. How could you not want to pursue this guy? He's got a certain style to him, Mina. He is the kind of guy that he puts his hands on you and it's over for you. Right. But if you're Von Miller, guys like Josh Sweat that can bend the edge and get around him. You can make life tough on Orlando Brown. And by the way, Mina, it's telling that if he was willing to accept this deal, I know the Chiefs had to pivot quickly to get Jawan Taylor, but he was probably offered more by Kansas City and turned it down. Like it's it's a t- I'm happy that he's going to play for a great franchise. And $64 million is generational altering money. It's got an incredible story. His father I mean, was one of the great 
hidden gems of the past 30 years in the NFL. An unbelievable story as well. But from a strictly football business standpoint, there were other players who fared much better over the past week than Orlando Brown did. It's a great deal for Cincinnati. And it I, I really liked it because, um, you know, Cincinnati is a team that, not too dissimilar from Kansas City, looked at their offensive line, said never again, invested a ton. Yeah. But, you know, Jonah Williams, it was, what, 13th overall, if I remember yeah. correctly? Um, 11th out of 13th, Alabama. yeah. Yep. Um, you know, he was at least competent for them. And then last year, he struggled a really lot. Tough. And there were injuries, pro- you know, and whatnot. But I think Orlando Brown is a better player, even with the caveats. I mean, he's an interesting player because he's kind of divisive amongst the offensive line community. And I think is, yeah. that divisiveness is probably reflected in Kansas City's decision to move on. If he was yeah. a slam dunk, he would still be a Kansas City Chief, probably. But I still think he is a at minimum, above average left tackle to me. Totally. Um, I also think, by the way, it's probably easier to play left tackle for Joe Burrow than it is for Patrick Mahomes for a litany Mm. of stylistic reasons. Um, So I love that they upgraded uh, when it didn't seem like they had to or that they even would because of his availability and his value. Now... It puts them in an interesting position because uh, Jonah Williams, who played right tackle his freshman year at Alabama, if I remember correctly, yeah. does not want to play right tackle. <laughs> uh, he wants to be traded. And so suddenly, you know, you plug one hole, potentially you create another. They have a lot of players who play right tackle. I don't think any of them particularly at a high level based on what we've seen over the last couple of years. That's a position they might target in the draft. Um, but, and we'll see what kind of... Well, I actually can ask you that about that, what they might get for Jonah Williams. But I still, to, to lock down a player, like a competent left tackle at that price for four years, especially ahead of what is going to be, you know, an absolute thunderstorm of signing for for Cincinnati, I think it's a great, great move for the franchise. And you get a chance to, you know, I mean, these teams don't like each other. So, yeah. uh, one of the you, you burgeoning rivalries. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you may have made Kansas City more vulnerable. Now, it sounds like Jawan Taylor is going to play some left tackle, if yeah. not exclusively for Kansas City. Um, that's at least going to be part of their plans. And they may view it as like, you know, getting a comparable player, maybe even a slight upgrade. Um, Jawan Taylor, very, I mean, he's a very adept pass protector, not quite as strong in the running game. Um, but, you know, he can, I think, fit in well there in Kansas City. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a master stroke. And I read an article, I be, I'm almost positive it was Jay Harrison uh, on the uh, – Jay Morris needs to be on The Athletic, mm. um, who does a great job covering the Bengals. And uh, it was basically like a blow-by-blow of how this all came together. And it was like – Orlando Brown Jr. goes from like one of those guys that you watch on tape because you want to watch every player. And then it's like by Wednesday it was like – Excuse me? Like He's on our team, yeah. Did you, did you say we, we can actually sign this guy? I think it was Tuesday night because Orlando was at ESPN last Tuesday without a deal. And then by Tuesday right. night at like 1030, it was like he had a deal. And it was like, wait, this guy could be on our team? Like it was one of those things that was so far off their radar because I, I don't think it's much of a stretch to imagine that they didn't think the market for Orlando Brown Jr. was going to be four years, $64 million. They probably thought it was going to be six years and $120 million yeah. bucks, which is a tough stretch for a team that, as you mentioned, has the bill coming due very soon, if not right now, on Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and a bunch of other players that are either uh, players they drafted or guys that 
are going to be our veteran free agents they've signed who are coming close to the end of their deal. They had to make some tough decisions this offseason, losing Von Bell, losing, of course, Jesse Bates. That's Cincinnati's reality going forward. Is yeah. their, their ability to sustain is not going to be it's, – it's Joe Burrow, obviously, but it's also it's making the right choices on the difficult ones. And they need draft picks to hit, which is, of course, true of any team with a big quarterback salary. And it's going to be multi. I mean, I, I have yet to be convinced they can fit both Higgins and Chase on this team. I know I've heard both I ways. I, I'm going to – that one I'm going to sit out for now. Um, I think that's a good – that's a very it's, it's good It's tough, man. Yeah. But, and if you do so, poo buddy the rest of your roster. But – um. You know, we know they're going to at least keep Burrow and Chase at minimum. And sure. in doing so, they do need draft picks to hit. Um, so, yeah, like this is a team that is losing. They lost talent on defense. You alluded to both the safeties. Eli Apple's still a free agent. They're counting. Yeah, they probably bring him back at a cheap price based on where things are going. Um, Awuzie should be back from injury. But you need Daxton Hill to be a starter. You know, you need some of the a lot of the younger players. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt played some last year and played well. Played so well down the stretch, yeah. Yeah, they they just need these young players to play well. And you know, Lou Anarumo is one of the better defensive coaches in football. Yeah. And if they trade Jonah Williams, I don't know what kind of value they would get for him. I can't imagine but, it's much, Mina. Like, yeah, I, we're not talking about especially a at this point. Pick. Yeah, we're talking with, about, like the internal leverage you have is 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 actually not that much right like we're trading this guy because he's going to be on the bench if we don't trade him right right um, so i would that, like that for a lot of teams if they're yeah. if it's like a low cost trade team I, I could see like a fourth round pick getting the job done um because there are teams that could certainly use a competent left tackle yeah so anyways it's interesting it's 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 definitely like i don't think cincinnati went into this offseason thinking we're gonna upgrade a left tackle but they did. Yeah, I like it for them. Still, life is still going to be um, very complicated for the Bengals in the coming coming months and years. Um, it's a good another problems, team, though, right? It's good problems. It's good problems. They have, they have a lot of really talented players. God, I don't even know who's who's running the football because P Ryan's gone. Yeah, Joe Mixon's, Mixon's still there. Is still we'll a cut see. candidate. Yeah, yeah. but um, then when but- you get a Brown. Um, you know, this is we we talked a lot about the Bengals' rushing attack last year and how yeah. they've become more diverse. You know, the prior year was almost entirely a zone-based running team. Last year, you saw more gap runs, and I I do wonder if Brown will sort of move them further in that direction because of his blocking style. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they I hate to devalue the spot. They can find a running back if that's what it takes. Yeah. Right? Like, they just, they just, like, look at the teams now. Like, the, the Chiefs yeah. are at the top of the heap. And I would be surprised if the Chiefs spend significantly at running back anytime soon. Like, they just know yeah. how to play the margins. And that's an important thing when you have a ton of players uh, that are very, very good and very, very, very well compensated as a result it's, of being that a, good. It's a great running back draft, too. Yeah. Great, oh, great yeah. draft. Very yeah. deep. Um, okay. Another team I wanted to talk about that you and I have. I feel like we <laughs> come on we planted, in. We planted our flag. Everybody welcome. Let's on go. Tech, we are the, te- the we are the duo that famously said Texans are doing all right once. Yeah. Got some <laughs> um, so uh, we we are one of the few duos that follow this team. I, although that's going to change a lot now yeah. that you know as they, when they get a young quarterback. Um, no, but I just want to talk about them briefly because they really made a lot of changes. And this they're interesting because they're a team that went into free agency with a fair amount of cap space, but they didn't make any big splurges. It was a lot of um, kind of 
Well, nobody really made splurges as we discussed, yeah. but they added I, like a, a bunch of solid deals. Yeah, a lot of solid players. Uh, just to list some of the more notable ones, this was actually the the they they added Robert Woods before I think at the very very beginning yep. of all of this, um, which ended up being, I mean, I think it was two years, fifteen million dollars. Yeah. You know, whatever, but reasonable. Um, so then they add Demar- notably D'Amico Ryan's Jim- yep. Jimmy Ward, who yep. knows from. San Francisco, bringing some stability to that secondary pairing with Jalen Petrie, player I really like. Um, uh, Sheldon Rankins. Yep. Uh, that year. flew under the radar. Love yeah. that signing. He's I so thought good. he was awesome last yeah, he year. He bounced back so well off the Achilles. He's been great. Yeah. Uh, trade for Shaq Mason. Very, yeah. again, Rock competent solid. guard. Yeah. Tampa didn't give up a lot for him. And then near the end, added the aforementioned Devin Singletary and Dalton Schultz. Mm-hmm. All of which to say, you're going to turn on Texans football this year and see players you've heard of. Yeah. It's a <laughs> which nice, is a new experience. Nice change, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and these are the, the length of the deals is kind of all over the place. Um, but it's definitely, they're definitely more known quantities than previous years. Um, how do you feel about them, the, sort of some of these moves in aggregate, aggregate? Are there any of them that jump out to you as being, you know, particularly noteworthy? So I want to do like 30 seconds on just like why. So let's go back through the the tenure of Nick Casario as the GM so far. <laughs> and I understand that um, people are going to say, are going to categorize his tenure based off the fact that they've now hired three coaches in three years. I understand that. Just strictly, I think you and I have focused in on just like, what has he done in building a roster, which is his primary responsibility as the GM and his staff, right? The first year, they have no cap space because of what happened before that. And they had no draft picks, right? They traded all the way, all those picks. The next year was last year. And they navigated, obviously, the Deshaun Watson situation, which lasted until into free agency. They ended up recouping some draft capital as a result of that. But they had very limited cap space. Once again, with a sizable dead money hit on the books for Deshaun Watson. Let's look at the players that they have actually drafted using premium picks and what the future might look like for them. Derek Stingler is going to be really good. Third overall pick last year in Lovey Smith's system. Frankly, you can get much more out of out of Derek Stingley in a different system than a guy who was playing. A Lovey Smith likes to play, which is kind of Tampa too. Um, Kenyon Green, we'll see. First year player. Had concussion he was issues, okay. yeah. but yeah, it's going to be like I'm not I'm not ready to to, to write oh, that. I should off, I, right? I didn't mention that they uh, re- extended Laramie Tunsil. Yep, that helps. But so they uh, in the second round uh, they end up landing Jalen Peacher, who you mentioned earlier, Damian Pierce. Like they had some dudes who ended up playing really well over these past two years in the draft class. Now this year, a little bit more cap space, and they were responsible. So I thought that maybe the most telling thing was of all those deals that you mentioned, some vary in length, but. They preserve their cards going forward. A lot of one-year deals as well. Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, Sheldon Rankins, amongst the guys added on just one-year contracts. And why I think that's important and telling is that if they hit with this quarterback this year, and let's just, whoever it is, it's probably Bryce Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, like that player has some pieces in place around him to be, you know, equipped for some success, right? An offensive line that's got two very good tackles and like some legitimate investments in the interior of the offensive line now has some more capable pass catchers, but they haven't compromised anything going forward. They have not cast their die on what this roster is going to look like because you're going to A, have a ton more picks to continue to work with over the next few years, and B, like 
if you have a young quarterback who's good, it is going to be it's going to make playing in Houston more attractive than it has been over the past couple of years, where your leverage for the Texans was probably just like you have a chance to play a lot here, right? If Bryce Young is a star right away, guys are going to want to come to Houston and they're going to have a lot more ambition and ability to be aggressive in future year spending. So I know that it's going to matter more when they start winning and when a coach sticks around for a while, but I still like. I'm a process-oriented person, and I mm. generally think that the process has been pretty sound in Houston. What if they traded for DeAndre Hopkins? That was the player that I was thinking of at the end of the first. I mean, I'm, okay. It, uh, no, I mean, I guess he would never go back. Yeah, no. That's Not going to happen. It would never happen. Uh, okay. So I'm looking at the, the depth chart right now. So just trying to visualize yep. what is the situation that the young quarterback is walking into. You kind of named all the players, but, you know, just taking a step back, you're looking at – uh, Nico Collins, Noah Brown, Robert Woods. Noah Brown, who was like the second most productive wide receiver for Dallas last year. Robert Woods. Uh, is Mechie coming back this year or hopefully? You know, Mina, I'm just going to sit here and say I hope. hope um, so, yeah. The, the reports continue to be very encouraging, but that's a player I liked a lot in the draft. I like, you know Ooh, who, you know who loves John Mechie, by the way? Bryce Young. I remember when I um, met him, yeah. he would not stop talking about how much he loves throwing to John Mechie. Uh, so that would be cool. Yeah. Anyways, but then Dalton Schultz, uh, and then you, you mentioned Damian Pierce. Offensive line is decent. Honestly, it's a decent offensive line. Altogether, not a bad situation for a young quarterback to walk into. Could no. be so much worse. Um, and then, yeah, I think this, I, I really liked, again, these kind of moves on the margins, you know, Rankins, Ward. Um, yeah adding, combining with the young players. I trust D'Amico Ryans on that side of the ball. I just think he's going to, you know, get, like you said, more out of some of the young players in the secondary in particular. I do think um, D'Amico Ryans would probably very much like to have, like, a Fred Warner. There's no, you know, linebacker still kind of jumps out looking at this team. I mean, the whole front still needs work. But as far as, like, the young quarterback situations you walk into, it doesn't feel like that young quarterback would be walking in like let me he's not david carr to well you know, not, not only that mina but i think one thing we've probably realized over the past couple of years and we should emphasize more i should emphasize this more and more as i think about my own context going forward do you believe in the offensive infrastructure around him do you believe in the offensive court because if we learned one thing over the past couple of years is that like having good pieces yeah. does not equate to a quarterback right. all of a sudden becoming an ascendant player, right? I mean, I don't know that anybody... Like, Look at two players in the 2021 draft class who went this way and then that way in Mac, Mac Jones, and then this way and then that way. I'm using my hands here to describe down and then up for Justin Fields. And, like, things changed, yeah. right? Like, you know, Justin Fields had a much more capable offensive staff. I know that they were still bereft of weapons last year, but they had a better plan in place than they did in year two and than they did in year one. Mac Jones, the opposite, right? Yeah. I mean... Uh, we were like, I was optimistic on Mac Jones during our quarterback draft last year, and now I'm like, oh my god, right? But well, it just goes like, like you should really be drafting quarter- situations half the time with these quarterbacks. Yeah. quarterbacks. And so with with these Texans, like I know it's a yeah. first time coordinator, Bobby, Bobby Slowick, but from San Francisco, brought along some veteran yeah. coaches. Yep, and that Shanahan tree has translated well elsewhere around I the NFL. Honestly, like all of the situations for the young quarterbacks. 
I like care. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this nervous. in depth later, right? Okay, so the Panthers yeah. need weapons, but I, as I allude, I yeah. like the offensive line. I like Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that's the the, the 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 assistance they have in place there. I like it. We're talking about Houston again. A lot to like about what they're putting in place to support the young quarterback. Um, Indianapolis, there's some issues there. But Shane Steichen, I think we both agree, uh, feels like a coach who has the capacity to shepherd and uh, adapt his offense to a young quarterback. Um, yeah. Who would be the next team to take quarterback? Uh, I guess. Like, would it be Seattle, Detroit, Las Vegas? Oh, like, yeah. So, but those are the three we know veterans. they're going to take a quarterback teams, and they're all fine. Yep. Like, it really feels yeah. none of them are, you know, it's not a young quarterback walking into San Francisco. But right. they're good enough. There's enough there, especially enough. Uh, the yeah. most important thing is the offensive lines. And these are all like they've, they've got some good players. And the fact that like the Shaq Mason trade could end up being sneaky, like the most important thing that the Texans did this offseason, yeah. um, you know, if he plays to his his ability. So uh, just to kind of take a step back from the Texans, there's still a lot of work to be done. This is an incomplete roster, but they added a lot of players that that I like and I think most importantly, it doesn't feel like whatever quarterback is entering this team is going to be set up to fail. Not a hornet's nest he's walking into. I don't know. I just like, honestly, like I enjoy these conversations about teams that aren't on the radar, Mina, because so much of what you and I do when we're on <laughs> NFL Live, which of course you're on every single day, gravitates for obvious reasons you towards- You start with the Cowboys field. <laughs> yeah, but like, we you know, it's 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 a show that is driven by ratings, yeah. right? Like you need people, you have to have people watching the show and the Cowboys- candidly draw more interest than teams um, that aren't right now at the top of the totem pole. Um, and so I enjoy these conversations about teams that don't get nearly as much pub as I, I love a world in which, you know, we split the pie up evenly 32 ways. That's never going to be the case. But um, like, un- un- like these teams go like they're, they're wretched until yeah. they're not right. And when they're not Wait. every once in a while, it's nice to be like, we told we're going to talk about the Jags so much next year. Jag, oh God, just jagging it constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and the Jets. Oh my God, we're gonna talk about the Jets so much. Yeah, we so are so much Jets uh-huh. talk. Um, yeah, we are. Okay, well, yeah. actually, uh, th- this brings to me the last thing before we get to dinks and dunks. Um, I asked you to identify like a move that you liked that you know maybe a little under the yeah. radar. You alluded to the one that I'm going to talk about. It's a team that I have not talked about at, at all, and that's the Steelers, who had a pretty quiet off season. Um, Signing Isaac Samalu, you mentioned the guard out of uh, Philadelphia, who I think most people probably would thought would be the best guard available in free agency. Um, Three years, $24 million cheaper than, say, the Bears signing Nate Davis. I I wouldn't have guessed that, frankly. Um, You know, Samalu, I mean, when you come from Philadelphia, I think you obviously have the advantage of playing next to Jason Kelsey on one side, you know, (laughs) Lane Johnson on the other, and... Or wait, he's on the yeah, he's on the right side. Yeah, that, no, that's correct. Um, yeah. yep. So you know that I'm probably impacts perception of him. But what I like about this is, and this kind of connects to the discussion we had. Um, you know, I, it's it's they they wanted to help Kenny Pickett. Now it's a little bit weird that they also signed Nate Herbig, um, who's another guard. But I'm not. I'm just talking yeah. about the individual signing. I think. I think Herbig was like nice depth. Yeah. For me, though, it's just like, you know, shoring up a unit that has quietly improved under the radar after Mm -hmm. being kind of a train wreck during the end of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Wouldn't be surprised if they, 
even draft a tackle this year. But I like the focus on pass protection uh, in particular and, and run blocking in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, yeah, Sam Marlowe is an interesting one because it's like, you know, when these quarterbacks who throw for 5,000 yards in college go to the pros and they get drafted in the seventh round, you're like, how does that guy not go higher? It's like, oh, because his wide receiver on one side was like the number one player in the country last year. And his wide receiver on the other side was the number one player in the country from the year before. All five of his linemen are getting drafted, yeah. right? Like it's going to be what happens with Stetson Bennett this year, right? He's not going to get drafted in the first round. Maybe more like a, a day three pick. Um, how is that possible for a guy who won back-to-back national championships? Well, he played with like the best team ever. Um, so I want to say like my, uh, I don't know how under the radar this, this is. We, we sort of referenced it a little bit before. But like I thought that we talked about Josh Oliver. Didn't necessarily love that signing there. But I thought that a lot of teams got some good deals on the tight end market for like below what you expect them to make, right? Robert Tungan from the Bears, or to the Bears, I think the base value is $2.65 million, which a guy, yeah, just a really solid football player, better probably as a pass catcher than a blocker, but he'll help in Chicago quite a bit. Um, I thought that Dalton Schultz, we just referenced, was solid $6.25 million. Yeah, the value value there. Up to nine. Definitely thought he would make more. If you'd asked me midpoint during the season, yeah. And then Mike Kosicki, one year, $4.5 million. Yes. uh, Up to $9 million. Wow. Mike Kosicki, yeah, he, he's a big receiver. He's, he's, a, he's an oversized slot receiver. It's just a fact. Um, if you look at the number of snaps he played in line over the past couple of years, it's like very, very few, right? Um, if he got it, he's, he's, you know, he's got really unique skill set. I mean, as far as like catch radius is concerned, I don't, how many players have a bigger catch radius in the NFL right now than Mike Kosicki? I'm hard Bill pressed O'Brien to think of like, will find not many, reason. right? That to me, is a is a good marriage of coach and signing, and it's it definitely fills a need for their, especially obviously with the trading of Johnny Smith. They kind of never really, you know, figured out how to use in that offense. It made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so I thought the just across the board or not across the board because there were a couple others, but like those are three tight end signings that I thought yeah. were like reasonable and incur very little risk, right? Like you're you're they're probably going to be close to who worth what you paid them and. I'm assuming, I haven't seen the, the language in them, but I'm assuming that if Mike Isicki and Dalton Schultz hit the maximum incentives, that they're going to be doing very, very well for themselves. Um, like the, the team will feel very good about that. Like it'll be like, okay, that was a, an investment. We are like, we're glad. For those that don't know, this is again, Captain Nerdum, but like when you have an incentive, um, the way it's structured is like, let's say your incentive is for, if you have 70 catches this year, you make 250K. If you have 80 catches, you make an additional 250K. 90 catches, again, all the way through. If you only had 65 catches the prior year, it would be considered not likely to be earned. So it's not going to count against your cap. If the Patriots or the Texans or the Bears have to pay the incentives and it is sort of it's debited from your 2023 cap space, they're fine with that. They'll be happy with that because it means they got a killer investment in those three players. We like a lot of these deals. Field and I are just handing yeah, out yeah. A's. Um, okay. Yeah. Lenny does not hand out A's. So when we come back, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Okay. A lot of my questions are going to be about players still out there. Field and I are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. By the time you listen to this, something might have happened. This might be moot. That's why I'm doing it at the end. 
Sorry, you can laugh about how wrong we were. Yeah, First question is about the guy that who's probably the amount of time spent talking to him relative to uh, what we've seen on the field over the last few years might be the most um, disproportionate ratio in football, and that is one Odell Beckham Jr., mm-hmm. um, who has not played football in quite some time, yeah. but has drawn a lot of interest, which is notable. Yeah. I think, you know, it, teams are legitimately taking a look at OBJ, OBJ shot down reports that he wants $20 million. He did say he wants more than $4 million. Um, Field, let me ask you this. I'm not going to ask you who's going to sign him or to make a guess here. I'm going to ask you like what you think would be the best situation for OBJ as a football player at this point. One-year deal, base value that's like 7 or $8 million bucks with the chance to make a whole lot more than that, Mina. Um, circumstances obviously dictate a lot of these things, but Michael Thomas signed a contract with the Saints yeah. for $6.25 million, which That's is basically just I was like, thinking yeah, of. so similar, just yeah. to be there. If you stay healthy, if, if Michael Thomas plays in every game this season, he'll make 10 million bucks. If he balls out, he'll make 15 million. That's the deal that I'd be it, probably a higher base value for OBJ, but that's the deal that I'd be looking for right now because I don't want to get tethered to a multi-year contract at like 12 million bucks a year, right? Because peak OBJ is worth more than that. But I also know that like, I got to prove to teams that that player still exists. Bills. I could see it. I could see it. Totally. Cap, you know, they got to figure out the cap. Bills. They did restructure Diggs' contract, which cleared up a little bit of space. If it's what you described, it's totally doable. If it's what you described. Now, I I understand that if he wants more, it's cost prohibitive for Buffalo. Right. And he may think that's like an insulting suggestion that we just put out there. I'm just trying to, like, again, I always, it's like real estate. You got to use like comps, right? And like relative to other players in the marketplace right now who have been paid, what can you reasonably expect for him? Okay, question two. Trio of pass rushers. Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, Yannick Ngakwe. Mm -hmm. If you were a team, which of those three players would you want? So first of all, I think there's a chance that a couple of them might just say, like, I'm chilling for a while, right? Like, what's the value in me going and signing somewhere right now when I could probably latch on with a team, like, much later on in the offseason? I think the answer is probably Yannick Ngakwe. Um I have to check. He's the youngest of those three. He's definitely the youngest, um, yeah. They have, he is, yeah. Um, <laughs> they probably have, like, in some ways these players have a common thread, which is their splash play type players, right? Yannick Ngakwe is not going to, like, every single down, like, totally disrupt an offense. But he might have eight and a half, nine, ten sacks per year, right? And four or five force fumbles in a good year. Uh, Frank Clark has played incredibly well in big moments playing for the Chiefs, but... Up until the playoffs, it was always like, what are we getting out of Frank Clark? Um, and Leonard Floyd, he was exceptional moments for the Rams. And we're talking about this Isaac Sayamalo. Think about it the inverse way. How much of that is because yeah, you're getting a, like, you know, you're playing next to Aaron Donald who's drawing a double team every play. It's like getting open shots they, in the NBA. Not all, like, not everybody who shoots 42%. I know, I know. But there was, you know, they were so tethered to that core. Um, I think Yannick Ngakwe probably is the one that comes to mind for me. I think Ngakwe is on the right team, like like as pass rush depth, super valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he will get to the quarterback. He's got speed still. Um, he will not stop the run. 
But on the right team, if you add him into the mix, um, I don't have a team in mind. I didn't think this through. No, I don't have a friend. I really like guys. it yeah. as a signing. Yeah. Uh, but, as, you know, but again, it's, to me, it's, it's, it, I don't think you want to give him a big contract as that sort of every down guy. They could all um, be icing on the cake, guys, too. Right? Like, yeah. We get There's to a lot of that, going it, around. that could be like, you know, last move we make or last big move we make before we get to the draft season. Okay. Question three. I don't know if you saw this tweet. The gambling.com most angriest fan bases based on negative Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit posts. They ranked them. Did you see this? I did not, but was it a tie between okay. all 32 of them? <laughs> yeah, right. I want you to try to guess okay. two of the top five angriest online fan bases since, not not all of all time, since NFL free agency began. So basically this offseason. Oh, this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> Um, One of these makes a lot of sense. Okay, two of the top five since free agency began. Eagles, because they lose all those players? No, they're 10. Okay. They're 10th. So um, they're all right. Um, Cowboys fans, because they haven't got OBJ? They're other 12. Okay, geez, I am way Wait, off here. Think about it. Think about it. If you were, Which team, if you were a fan of, would you be very anxious right now? Uh, Packers are a very anxious group. Um, really not. They're average. Okay, geez, I am totally missing the I think the they're, they're kind of done. Bills? Field. If you're a fan of a team with a particular quarterback who Oh might... Jets fans? Are they number one? Oh. oh my gosh. The Baltimore Ravens. Oh god, one. oh my god, oh my god. Brain fart. Can we can we rewind and <laughs> so, start this college? Number one is kind of funny because number one I was actually it's the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. I guess maybe yeah, I they haven't that. done enough. Yeah, well they kind of uh, the deck and there was Yeah, but yeah. they didn't really have a lot of room to maneuver. I don't know what they expected. They're walking a very interesting yeah. line right now. I mean I liked how they approached the Kirk Cousins contract. Yeah, no problem with that. Yeah. No, I'm with I'm with um, yeah. the happiest fan base, and this makes Bears? total sense. Uh no, the Bears are happy. They're okay. they're in the top ten. Okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Calvin Ridley's reinstated. We didn't sign any bad deals, so we didn't good. sign any deals. Yeah. They're def- that definitely checks out. They are. Uh, I was surprised. They, the Colts are thirty first, which I thought Colts fans would be angry because they got yeah. leapfrogged in the draft. You know, inactivity. I don't, I don't know. So who are the top five? Uh, happiest or angriest? Angriest. Yeah. Who cares? About the happy ones. <laughs> the Vikings. Yeah. The Bengals. Maybe that's before the Brown. Yeah. I think seeing guys walk out the door. Totally. Uh, the Ravens. Yeah. We discussed the Lions. That I don't understand. Nor do I. This is a very imperfect science. Um, yep. And then the. Panthers, maybe there's just a lot of device division about uh, DJ Moore leaving. Yeah, maybe totally. Felt like they gave up too much. I, I actually liked it for. Yeah, that was my justified. The Giants are the players. No, I mean it's d- divisive. I think when you do something that's divisive, there's good and bad. Probably, yeah, for sure is. Jones stuff. Totally. So. Yep. Anyways, I talked about how much I loved the Waller trade for them. Um, okay, question four. As we near the end. Um, okay, so I joked about the Texans and Hopkins. I feel I have no freaking idea what's going to happen with that dude. Um, I mean, just what are you hearing? What are you feeling? What are you? Uh, he's got to be traded, right? Let's start there. Um, I believe so. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I want fans to brace <clears throat> for a much more modest package than anybody would expect, Mina. Yeah. And I think that it's in, sort of incumbent upon us to go back and like really study DeAndre Hopkins and what level player he is right now. Because I think the price tag is going to be a lot, again, a lot more modest than people realize. And I think the number of legitimate suitors is smaller than people realize as well. 
And, Mina, there have been times in recent years where football Twitter and the media has been all over a player, and the interest has been so lukewarm around the league, and the league has been right. The most glaring example over the past few years is Julio Jones, who was yeah. you know, burnt toast when he got traded from Atlanta, and we all thought, like, Tennessee stole him for whatever, a second or whatever it was. A second and a four or something. And by the way, there have also been times where the league has gotten it wrong, right? Yes. But that's what I'm studying really closely yeah. right now is what is the real market for DeAndre Hopkins? Man, I just think because of his skill set, he's still so useful. Yeah. At the right price I mean, tag, I think so. For but sure. yeah, price tag is everything. And what is this? Is he how expensive is he well, this year? The contract will definitely be adjusted, but it's like two years and thirty six million bucks right now. That'll yeah, be but Arizona, you got to be in tank mode. Eat oh, some of totally. that. Get that pick <clears throat> there. That team is. They barely signed anybody um, with deals so far in the South. Yeah, very. They quiet. know yep. the score. They know what they're doing there this year. Smart. I think. Yep. Have David, who is their number two court? Who's starting? Uh, Colt McCoy and David Blau uh, currently. They didn't on the sign roster. it. Yeah. yeah. David Blau was re-signed to a two-year deal. So the, I didn't. I mean, I thought, they didn't even sign Jacoby Brissett, y'all. Like that is. I thought Josh Dobbs would end up there, but uh, didn't end up happening. Yeah. His his old QB coach is now the Drew Pensick is a new offensive coordinator uh, in what, Arizona. What if in Arizona's in position to draft Caleb Williams? Oh boy. Okay, that's a whole other. Well, so they, they've never pivoted off of a first round quarterback, have they? <laughs> well, well, they just got a tweet. Kyler is our guy. Yeah, and we'll they, know, they will know for that, a fact. Uh, yeah, the tank is on. Um, okay, last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Lenny noticed that uh, yesterday uh, you tweeted that the Broncos have raved DB Lamar Jackson. At COD CROS 10 wrote, You're the worst, Field. Yeah. Lenny wants to know if you care to reply. Uh, well, uh, I am the worst. That's okay. No, you know stuff, Amina? I thought about it because... <clears throat> you did write DB. Every once in a while, it's okay to have a little bit of fun No. on the old bird uh, app. No, no fun. But I think it's like a, it's a little bit of a fine line. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? Let, internet, let the internet make its own jokes. I'm just putting the fact out there because it's accurate. The Broncos did, in fact, wave a defensive back named Lamar Jackson. Did I rile some people up? Maybe. Do I regret mm. it? A tiny bit. But it got some hilarious replies. And I thought for the most part it was generally harmless. <clears throat> Just let Field have fun. Every let once in a while, people. Have, I, I try to fun. keep it, you know, fairly businesslike for the most part. But every once in a while, you know? All right. Well, you are always allowed to have fun on the Minicom Show featuring Lenny. Field Yates, thank you as always for coming on, and the rest of you guys, see you next week. Yeah.